0: And welcome. This is Melissa Giles, Director of Portfolio Management with Americana Partners. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'll be reviewing the July market commentary provided by David M. Darst, Chief Investment Officer with Americana Partners. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. The first section I will be covering is called Where We Are, Please note that any charts or graphics referenced are available by request through our website. Let's begin. Happy 246th birthday to the United States of America. Paraphrasing the incomparable Irma Louise Bombeck, 1927 to 1996. You have to love a nation that celebrates its independence every July 4. With family picnics where kids throw frisbees, the potato salad gets iffy, and the flies die from happiness. You may think you have overeaten, but it is patriotism. And especially in the U.S. equity markets, June has generated considerable fireworks. Declining negative 8.4% in price in June and negative 20.6% for the first half of 2022, the S&P 500 index finished its worst first-half performance in 52 years. In 1970, and it is worth keeping in mind that in the second half of the year, the S&P 500 generated a price gain of positive 27%. For the 12. S&P 500 bear market since World War II, excluding this year's, the price decline has averaged -34% and the bear market length has averaged 10 months. If the current bear market adheres to this average performance, approximately 61% of the total damage has occurred and approximately 70% of the bear market's time duration has transpired. The S&P 500's decline represents its fourth worst first-half performance ever, only behind the price losses in 1932, negative 45.4%, 1962, negative 23.5%, and 1970, negative 21.0%, with the following June storyline playing out in financial markets. Data are from The Wall Street Journal. 1. Two year U.S. Treasury yields ranged between a low of 2.66% on June 1st and a high of 3.40% on June 13th before closing at 2.92% on June 30th. Two, 10 year U.S. Treasury yields ranged between a low of 2.92% on June 2nd and a high of 3.49% on June 14th before closing at 2.98% on June 30th. Three, 30-year U.S. Treasury yields ranged between a low of 3.09% on June 1st and June 2nd and a high of 3.45% on June 14th before closing at 3.14% on June 30th. Four, the DXY U.S. dollar index versus the six major currencies rose positive 2.6% over the month. Up, positive 9.1% year-to-date, and ranged from a low of 101.82 on June 2nd to a high of 105.52 on June 14th, before closing at 104.7 on June 30th. 5. The VIX Equity Volatility Index exceeded 30 on 6 out of 22 trading days in June and ranged between a low of 23.96 on June 8th and a high of 34.02 on June 13th. 6. Investors reacted to still elevated inflation readings, softening retail sales, slowing PMI services and manufacturing data, the Federal Reserve's 75 basis point policy rate increase on June 15th, very gradual reopening signs in the pandemic lockdown in China, and back and forth news in the Ukraine conflict. 7. The technology-heavy Nasdaq Composite Index fell -8.7% in June has only managed to generate a gain in 1 month of the year positive 3.4% in March, and is down negative 29.5% year-to-date, and eight. In descending order, the June price performance of the 11 S&P 500 industry sectors was healthcare, negative 2.5%, consumer staples, negative 2.8%, communication services, negative 6.2%, utilities, negative 6.2%, Real estate, negative 7.5%, industrials, negative 7.8%, information technology, negative 8.2%, consumer discretionary, negative 9.5%, financials, negative 10.3%, materials, negative 13.0%, and energy, negative 15.3%. As investors enter the 7th month of 2022, on average over the 94 years from 1928 through 2021 inclusive, the month of July with its historical positive 1.6% price gain for the S&P 500 ranks first among the best performing months among the 12 months in more than 9 decades of monthly performance ranking. It is worth repeating that these 9-decade results are averages, with a given month's outcome definitely having the potential to vary above or below the long-term average. After a volatile trading month in June, the S&P 500 finished down negative 8.4 percent, 3,785.38 on June 30th versus 4,132.95 on May 31st. The Nasdaq Composite registered negative 8.7 percent decline in June, and the Russell 2000 Index of Small and Mid-Cap Companies fell at negative 8.4 percent over the month. Over the course of June, West Texas intermediate crude oil prices declined negative 7.8 percent from $114.67 per barrel on May 31st to $105.76 per barrel on June 30th. The global oil demand side continues to reflect signs of China's COVID-19 lockdowns easing, momentum slowing in the global economy, fuel shortages. Currently low levels of inventories and spare capacity limited to a few countries and precautionary buying while on the supply side one the four-month Russia-Ukraine conflict continues to create significant demand and supply disruptions. Two, several nations, especially the U.S. and including certain allies, have launched the release of crude oil from their respective strategic petroleum reserves. Three, Iran continues with the nuclear talks begun on November 29th, which could in theory increase the supply of Iranian oil officially entering global oil markets if economic sanctions on Iran are relaxed. Four, Facing pressure from investors to moderate growth and address their emissions amid concerns about increasing regulations in climate change, large U.S. and European oil companies have continued to spend sparingly to boost production, even as certain major oil companies have halted and or completely exited their Russian activity. Five, consolidating U.S. shale producers have exercised financial probity, have not excessively increased output in reaction to higher crude prices, have followed production discipline, and exerted capital spending restraint. And six, following the 30th OPEC and non OPEC ministerial meeting on Thursday, June 30th, the group, which includes Saudi Arabia, Russia, the United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, Iraq and other countries agreed to keep the rate of their monthly output increases at an agreed pace of 648,000 barrels per day in August of this year, with Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates likely to account for most of the supply increases. The 31st OPEC-plus ministerial meeting is scheduled for Wednesday, August 3rd, when the organization is expected to decide on production quotas for September. During June, the US dollar rose positive 2.9% versus the DXY index, comprised of six major currencies: the euro, Japanese yen, British pound, Canadian dollar, Swiss franc, and Swedish krona. On June 30th, the DXY index closed at 104.69, positive 9.1% versus its level of 95.97 on December 31st, 2021. Reflecting varying degrees of competition from short-term interest rates over the course of the past month, the daily spot gold price, as logged by USA Gold, closed at $1,804.10 per troy ounce on June 30th, down negative 2.1% during June, and down negative 1.3% from its close of $1,829.05 per troy ounce on December 31st, 2021. Now let's discuss June month and closing yield levels for two-year, 10-year, and 30-year U.S. Treasury securities. For two-year U.S. Treasury securities, yields rose 39 basis points in June to 2.92% at month end, where they are up 219 basis points since their closing level of 0.73% on December 31st, 2021. For 10-year U.S. Treasury securities, yields rose 13 basis points in June and closed at 2.98% at the end of the month, where they are up 146 basis points since their closing level of 1.52% on December 31, 2021. For 30-year U.S. Treasury securities, yields rose 7 basis points in June and reached 3.14% at the end of the month, where they are up 124 basis points since their closing level of 1.90% on December 31, 2021. Now let's discuss several of the key factors we consider at this time likely to exert meaningful influence on financial asset prices in the interval ahead. Factors likely to exert significant influence on financial asset prices Inflation As a widely used input in the construction industry and in many manufacturing processes, so-called Dr. Copper is reputed to have a PhD in economics because of the red metal's perceived ability to foretell turning points in the global economy. Copper prices have exhibited a declining trend of late, perhaps reflecting lessening shortages, bottlenecks, and other supply-driven inflationary forces. And copper is not the only commodity to have exhibited recent price weakness. Versus their 52-week highs, numerous other commodities have declined to a considerable degree versus their 52-week highs in the energy, precious metals, base metals, and agricultural sectors. These data notwithstanding, they're still high absolute levels and especially rising labor and occupancy costs have contributed to businesses and consumers' elevated inflation expectations. These future price beliefs are monitored closely by the Federal Reserve to ascertain whether high inflation expectations are getting anchored in 1. wage and salary expectations, 2. consumer spending patterns, and 3. corporate pricing behavior. On June 28, the Conference Board Consumer Confidence Index declined to a new 16-month low of 98.8, down from a downwardly revised 103.2 in May. The initial reading was 106.4. As part of the release, one-year consumer inflation rate expectations rose to 80 percent versus an upwardly revised positive 7.5 percent in May. This reading appeared to somewhat offset or even contradict the previous bullishly interpreted results of the preliminary June 10th and final June 24th, University of Michigan Consumer Center surveys, the latter of which had reported one year consumer inflation expectations unchanged at positive 5.3 percent, with June's final long-run five to ten years inflation expectations at positive 3.1 percent, up from positive 3.0 percent in May's final report and down from positive 3.3 percent in mid-June. In the past, the U.S. economy usually falls into recession after the headline rate of consumer price inflation increases to above positive 5.0%. Headline and core, excluding energy and food prices, comparative month-over-month and year-over-year inflation data for the CPI, consumer prices, the PPI, producer prices, and PCE, personal consumption expenditures, as well as a data release schedule for these metrics through the end of 2022. At this point, barring any public health monetary fiscal currency policy political or geopolitical shocks, we are of the belief that inflation is likely to decline, yet slowly, to an elevated plateau level above the approximate positive 2.0% level of the immediate pre-COVID years, perhaps to the positive 3.0-4.0% range in late 2023 and into 2024. Monetary Policy and Interest Rates Following a significant interval of very low nominal yields throughout most of the 2020-2021 COVID pandemic experience, short- and intermediate-term U.S. Treasury interest rates have risen significantly in 2022. These increased yields have been in response to 1. Quickening U.S. economic activity, 2. Rising expectations of inflation, and 3. Increasingly restrictive monetary policy. At the end of June, three-month nominal U.S. Treasury bill yields had risen to 1.69% versus 0.06% on December 31, 2021, and 10-year U.S. Treasury yields had increased to 3.13% up from 1.52% on December 31, 2021. In the last week of June, two-year U.S. Treasury yields were quoted at 3.18% up from 0.73% on December 31, 2021, before declining 26 basis points to close the month at 2.92%. Following a 75 basis point increase on June 14th through the 15th, the FOMC's Fed Funds target monetary policy rate to a 1.5 to 1.75 range, a number of FOMC voting members have been advocating for a second 75 basis point hike in the target Fed Funds rate at the upcoming July 26th through the 27th meeting. If enacted, that would lift the target monetary policy rate to a 2.25 to 2.5% range by the end of July. Market participants and Fed Funds futures trading have recently been expecting the Fed Funds policy rate to continue rising through the course of this year to reach a midpoint above 3.50% in early 2023. Then, based on their assessment of, one, the evolution of an already declining demand picture for the U.S. economy, perhaps encompassing a full-blown recession, and two, further stages of monetary policy tightening by the Fed, adding contradictory downward force to the interest-sensitive sectors of the economy, including housing, automobiles, and other big-ticket consumer outlays, Fed funds futures market participants, at the end of June were pricing in 40 basis points of interest rate cuts in 2023." In addition to declining expectations for the level of Fed Funds futures in the second half of 2023, one, several other fixed income derived inflation expectations over the next five to 10 years have been falling. 2. Industrial commodities prices have been easing. And 3. Many sectors in the value-style category, such as industrials, metals, and energy stocks, have been exhibiting varying degrees of price weakness. In some ways, such market behavior has fostered expectations that inflation could peak sooner than expected and thus allow the Fed to hike monetary policy rates at a slower pace than anticipated. At this point, we are of the opinion that the Fed is likely inclined to continue monetary tightening in order, one, to slow inflation through, a. The direct effect of higher interest rates on the real economy, as well as through b. Asset price declines in the highly financialized U.S. economy, Two, to buttress the central bank's inflation-fighting credentials and three, to store up higher levels of policy interest rates in order to be able to stimulate the economy through interest rate cuts as recessionary episodes appear. As we expect the economy to continue slowing in response to one, elevated rates of inflation crimping overall demand, two, continued increases in monetary policy interest rates, and three, quantitative tightening Monthly reductions in Federal Reserve's balance sheet increasing from a $47.5 billion rate in June, July, and August to a monthly rate of $95 billion commencing September 1st. Our stance at this point is to remain flexible and data-dependent before beginning in the coming year to modestly add funds to longer-duration fixed-income securities and to other beneficiaries of declining interest rates. The Economy and Corporate Profits. In conjunction with the Federal Open Market Committee meeting held on June 14th through the 15th, 2022, Fed governors and Federal Reserve Bank regional presidents submitted their projections of the most likely outcomes for U.S. real gross domestic product GDP growth the unemployment rate, and inflation for 2022, 2023, and 2024, as well as over the longer run. Each participant's projections have been based on information available at the time of the meeting, together with her or his assessment of appropriate monetary policy, including a path for the federal funds rate and its longer-run value, and assumptions about other factors likely to affect economic outcomes. The longer-run projections represent each participant's assessment of the value to which each variable would be expected to converge over time under appropriate monetary policy and in the absence of further shocks to the economy. Appropriate monetary policy is defined as the future path of policy that each participant deems most likely to foster outcomes for economic activity and inflation that best satisfy his or her individual interpretation of the statutory mandate to promote maximum employment and price stability. For each time frame, the median represents the middle projection when the participants' projections are arranged from lowest to highest. When the number of projections is even, the median represents the average of the two middle projections. June FOMC median GDP projections call for U.S. real GDP growth of positive 1.7% in 2022, positive 1.7% in 2023, and positive 1.9% in 2024, down from the March projections of positive 2.8% in 2022, positive 2.2% in 2023, and positive 2.0% in 2024. The June FOMC median projections call for 3.7% unemployment at the end of 2022, 3.9% at the end of 2023, and 4.1% at the end of 2024, up from 3.5% unemployment at the end of 2022, 3.5% at the end of 2023, and 3.6% at the end of 2024. The June FOMC median personal consumption expenditures inflation forecast call for positive 5.2% in 2022, positive 2.6% in 2023, and positive 2.2% in in 2024, up from March, PCE inflation forecasts of positive 4.3% in 2022, positive 2.7% in 2023, and positive 2.3% in 2024. In the June core, excluding food and energy FOMC median personal consumption expenditures inflation forecasts, call for a positive 4.3% in 2022, positive 2.7% in 2023, and positive 2.3% in 2024, up from March, core, PCE inflation forecasts of positive 4.1% in 2022, positive 2.6% in 2023, and positive 2.3% in 2024. Recognizing the fallibility of all human forecasting efforts, including those of the Federal Reserve, we can observe that the Fed governors and regional bank presidents have significantly downshifted their outlook for U.S. 2022 GDP growth, even as they have meaningfully increased their projections of 2022 headline personal consumption expenditures inflation the IMF projects positive 3.7% real GDP growth for the U.S. in 2022 and positive 2.3% in 2023 versus the FOMC's median projection of positive 1.7% real GDP growth for the U.S. in 2022 and positive 1.7% in 2023. Also worth noting, are significant slowdowns in world output, positive 3.6% in 2022 versus positive 6.1% in 2021, as well as in the GDP of the euro area positive 2.8% down from positive 5.3% in 2021. China, positive 2.8% down from positive 5.3% in 2021. Brazil, positive 0.8% down from positive 4.6% in 2021. Mexico, positive 2.0% down from positive 4.8% in 2021. And South Africa, positive 1.9% down from positive 4.9% in 2021. Our view envisions a recessionary phase in the U.S. economy in coming quarters. After negative 1.6% annualized real GDP growth in first quarter 2022, as of July 1st, the Atlanta Fed GDP Now forecasting tool was predicting a negative 2.1% GDP contraction for second quarter 2022. Against a backdrop of slowing purchasing managers' indices, manufacturing as well as services, and possibly a recessionary GDP path unfolding, we are concerned about the possibly detrimental implications for corporate earnings per share results. According to analyst estimates collected by IBES, Refinitiv, and tabulated by Yardini Research, S&P 500 earnings per share are projected to grow positive 11.6% in first quarter 2022, positive 5.1% in second quarter 2022, positive in third quarter 2022 and positive 10.0% in fourth quarter 2022, with full year earnings growth projected to be positive 9.9% in 2022 and positive 9.7% in 2023. We consider the possibility of downward revisions to earnings per share growth in the coming quarters and call for vigilant attention to be paid to chief executive officers and chief financial officers' comments about the forward outlook on their company's earnings calls, which will begin in the middle of July. We also consider Analyst Securities Ratings Upgrades versus Downgrades, even as S&P 500 earnings ratios have already contracted significantly thus far this year. In our opinion, further equity price weakness and further P.E. ratio contraction, despite the P.E. boosting effects that may occur when earnings are lowered and prices are not lowered to the same degree, could lie ahead if S&P 500 forward earnings per share estimates are revised downward and the results fall short of current constructive earnings prospects. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning. Portfolio positioning strategies. Following the S&P 500s, well above average total return performance of positive 31.5% in 2019, positive 18.4% in 2020, and positive 28.7% in 2021, and in the current environment of 1. Monetary policy abridgment via interest rate increases and quantitative tightening. 2 slowing economic outcomes, and three, elevated inflation. We believe that careful thought, planning, and attention need to be devoted to the investor's most appropriate forms and vehicles for implementing the fundamental elements of asset allocation and investment strategy, which include one, diversification. While it does not by any means guarantee a profit or ensure against a loss, diversification means including low and negatively correlated investment exposures that truly counterbalance price movements in other assets, particularly during times of great financial stress and or rising financial asset volatility too, rebalancing, which encompasses consideration of when to use concepts of reversion to the mean and market price dislocations to trim exposures to assets that have grown to represent too large a portion of the overall portfolio, while at the same time adding exposures to high-quality assets that have fallen out of investor favor and suffered significant, though deemed not permanent, price declines versus intrinsic value. Three, risk management, which involves recognizing when markets have become consumed by unrealistic expectations, meme securities, excessive speculation, momentum plays, story stocks and information overload, a situation that has pertained at various times last year and earlier this year to a number of companies in certain parts of the cryptocurrency realm and the technology spectrum, and understanding the degree of liquidity, the true pricing realism and the appropriate roles of short-term liquid securities, real assets, financial assets and alternative assets assets during intervals of geopolitical disturbance, and especially in years-long or even in decades-long regimes of inflation, stagflation, deflation, monetary disruptions, and currency resets. Four, reinvestment, which encompasses knowing when to emphasize and trade off income return versus capital growth, all the while keeping in mind the critical importance of discipline, equanimity, patience, perspective, cost consciousness, tax awareness, and longevity in capturing and compounding dividend, coupon, rental, maturing securities and other forms of income and capital flows, and five, asset protection and husbandry, which encompasses considerations of current and likely future income, wealth, and capital gains taxation at the state, local, federal, and possibly international level, estate planning, relevant insurance design and structuring, cybersecurity shielding, portfolio monitoring and reporting, administrative expenses, forms, frequency, and means of asset access and asset custody. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning principles. With roughly equal weightings to growth, to value, and to defensive-style rubrics, we continue to allocate a meaningful exposure to equities leavened by judicious apportionments to short-term, high-quality income-generating instruments, with prudent shifts between style sectors, geographies, and where appropriate from a cost-timing tax, liquidity, and size standpoint, public versus private markets— Given the equity and fixed income price swings of the past three years, expressed are a number of themes that we believe should be taken into consideration over the next few quarters and years in selecting asset categories, asset classes, asset managers, sectors, companies, and security types. One, paying attention to the value of money, taking advantage of rather than being taken advantage by the consequences of money printing, internal and external currency debasement, government debt monetization, and the modern monetary theory approach that to some degree in the pandemic response era, has at times been pursued by the authorities within shifting money and credit cycles to service America's massive explicit government and corporate indebtedness and the enormous implicit obligations of pension and health care benefit promises, too, concentrating on all weather sectors and companies, seeking investments with balance and flexibility that are able to thrive regardless of which political persuasion informs the thinking and policies of the White House, Congress, the judiciary, the state legislatures, and relevant domestic and international regulatory authorities, evolving environmental, social, and governance, ESG, priorities and values, wealth distribution initiatives and public health conditions, episodes of geopolitical tension, such as have especially pertained in recent months, entente and detente, and wider socioeconomic trends. Three, distinguishing between temporary and permanent change, focusing on the commercial and financial implications of new social and political power structures, alliances and global associations, new energy sources and resources, new trade channels, new on- and offshoring structures, new cost, logistical, supply chain, and transportation modalities, hybrid work-from-home and work-from-anywhere employment patterns, and new business models, pathways, digitalizations, and forms of person-to-person and business-to-business work, leisure, learning, and wellness activity. 4. Taking Advantage of Demographic Tailwinds Through U.S. and select non-U.S. companies, recognizing current economic and financial challenges, facing several emerging markets and using significant asset price and valuation discontinuities, shifts in currency exchange rates, and shifts in consumer and business preferences to gain exposure to and benefit from the rising needs, aspirations, and appropriate spending power of the expanding global middle class. Five, comprehending and verifying past success, emphasizing companies and sectors that have demonstrated successful track records and past experience in competitive preeminence, abundant free cash flow generation, capital allocation skill, balance sheet strength, risk management, sustainably defendable business models, and the ability to maintain high multi-year returns on equity, derived from revenue growth and favorable margin preservation, rather than through disproportionately high levels of leverage, meaningfully above the company's and sector's weighted average cost of capital, and six, identifying innovative and disruptive technology hegemons, recognizing when at various points in economic and financial market cycles, to focus on technology enablers, disruptors, and dominators in such fields as diagnostics, biotechnology, and therapeutics based on CRISPR, weight management and well-being, public health, medical nutrition, regenerative medicine, artificial intelligence, data analytics, machine learning, 5G cellular network technology, the Internet of Things, infrastructure, robotics, retraining, quantum computing, battery inventions, alternative energy. Virtual reality and augmented reality devices, hypersonic aviation, electric vehicles, and cybersecurity, while not least also taking account of the environmental, social, and governance risks, aspirations, and initiatives of companies in these and other fields. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning tactics. One, keeping things in perspective. Many of the overarching themes and conditions that influence our intermediate and long-term asset allocation and investment strategy emphasize the need to recognize that the concepts and implementation methods intended to achieve safety, balance, Purchasing power protection, diversification, and liquidity are likely to face evolving and sometimes rapidly shifting internal financial market dynamics, taxation regimes, regulatory emphases, social priorities, geopolitical power relationships, price level changes, demographic trends, indebtedness levels, technological penetration and usages, financial structures, currency systems, and importantly, perceptions of the definitional role, degree of physicality, embodiment, and value of money itself to flexibility versus conviction in formulating investment thinking, in seeking to determine when to adhere to and when to lean against Prevailing consensus views, such views may be sometimes pejoratively referred to as groupthink. It is important to critically question the soundness and durability of the reasoning and assumptions underlying a given investment framework and positioning at any point in time, while it at intervals may not make sense to hold out of consensus views often expressed as fighting the tape. At other times, especially at major cyclical or secular turning points, at a significant asset top, when reality is finally found to fall short of prevailing overly optimistic expectations, or major asset bottoms when reality is shown to be worth considerably more than prevailing overly pessimistic expectations. The rewards of implementing a contrarian stance can be quite meaningful. 3. Enhancing and preserving. Even with some of the speculative fervor having materially diminished thus far this year in more than a few areas of the financial realm, we still confess to a degree of unease over several lingering manifestations of investor exuberance and at the popularity of certain securities and sectors considered to be forever holding. Our preference at this juncture remains to take note of the Federal Reserve's explicit policy measures to rein in inflation while taking advantage of episodes of asset price strength to continue the course of upgrading positions, offloading lower quality, higher risk assets, and with timing and price discipline gradually adding to attractively priced, higher-quality assets on equity market pullbacks. With monetary policy interest rate increases and quantitative tightening, Federal Reserve balance sheet reduction underway, slow growth in China and slowing growth in Europe, and in view of our expectation of continued asset price volatility in the months ahead, Prudence Council's remaining aware of the narrowed market breadth, along with the meaningful first half of 2022 headline, and below-the-surface deterioration in the Russell 2000, the Nasdaq Composite and the S&P 500 indices while formulating specific game plans to take advantage of such retrenchments as a key element determining the timing and amount of new capital commitments. 4. Equity emphases and de emphases In the current conditions of higher U.S. Treasury interest rates, particularly at the short end of the maturity spectrum, to us it appears likely that cash-generating, financially stable companies with robust growth prospects, which are able to operate and thrive against a distinctly unsettled geopolitical backdrop and end the digital sphere as they continue to enhance their business models, deserve to retain some degree of valuation affirmation. Within equities, one, we recommend continuing to gradually shift emphasis from growth sectors companies and managers towards the inclusion of select value and defensive sectors companies and managers with a focus on energy industrial select financials Materials, COVID recovery, reopening, and consumer staple sectors, and a concomitant de emphasis on companies and sectors dependent on access to low cost energy. Two, we continue to counsel very selectively adding small and mid cap companies or investment managers specializing in and with good track records in this space to our primary emphasis on large capitalization enterprises. And three, for the time being, while we continue to prefer a tactical overweighting to U.S. domestic equities with pullbacks such as those encountered in January, April, and June viewed as an opportunity to only carefully and highly selectively add equities, particularly those sectors and companies likely to thrive in a less predictable economic environment. We also espouse holding or gradually building relatively defined allocations to global leaders listed in international markets. 5. Focus on Strength and Quality Our long-term equity portfolio weightings continue to emphasize asset managers, sectors, and specific companies that can benefit from the major identifiably sustained trends of the 2020-2030 decade, including one, incremental growth in a wide range of economic circumstances, two, a focus on economic and infrastructure repair, digitalization, e-commerce, personal wellness, safety, domesticity, home improvement, and sustainable consumer demand, and three, advantageous capture of benefits from onshoring, supply chain redesign, and deglobalization as important drivers of capital spending and disruptive innovation. At the company level in equities, we emphasize identifying and building long-term exposures to firms possessing fortress-like, cash-rich balance sheets, prudence and balance sheet utilization, limited debt, consistency and durability of positive free cash flow generation, dividend strength and competitive business models with abiding competitive advantages, high barriers to entry, low threat of substitute products, and enduring pricing power vis-a-vis suppliers and or customers that over a long time frame can generate high returns on equity through revenue growth and sustainable profit margins rather than through unhealthily high levels of leverage. At the current time, we recommend that consideration be given to top-quality companies in the healthcare and consumer-stable sectors, as well as firms exceptionally positioned to benefit from inflationary forces in the real asset sectors that have demonstrated an ability to take advantage of shifting price-level changes. Six. Balancing growth and value sectors at its closing level of 2202.06 on Thursday, June 30th. The price return of the Russell 1000 Growth Index symbol RLG and including companies in sectors such as technology, healthcare and communication services was according to the Wall Street Journal down -28.4% from its December 31st 2021 closing level of 3074.99 while the price return of the Russell 1000 Value Index symbol RLV and including companies in sectors such as financial, real estate, energy, utility and industrial businesses was at its closing level of 1400 twenty seven point four six on Thursday, June thirtieth, according to the Wall Street Journal, down negative thirteen point eight percent from its December thirty first, twenty twenty-one closing level of one thousand six hundred fifty-five point seven three. This fourteen point six percentage point. Value minus growth returns differential appears to argue for continuing a degree of balanced exposure in selected value sectors, companies, and managers, as well as in selected growth sectors, companies, and managers. As this process continues, it is worth keeping in mind that true value investing represents identifying and owning assets that are trading for less than they are actually worth, not assets that are merely inexpensive. Many superficially inexpensive assets may be inexpensive for a reason and can very well remain so or deteriorate further. 7. Fixed-income securities. Reflecting some of their largest quarterly price declines in more than three decades, U.S. Treasury bond prices year-to-date through June 30th have declined negative 3.2% in the 1-3-year to maturity range, negative 11.0% in the 7-10-year to maturity range, and negative 22.5% in the above 20-year maturity range. Even though yields have continued to move upward in the past month, to us they appear likely to be subject to conflicting forces, with higher yields coming from monetary tightening, perhaps counterbalanced by lower yields coming from the economic retrenchment brought about in the monetary tightening and outside the United States. According to Bloomberg, in late June, a dramatically lower total of $1.7 trillion, down from $18 trillion in early 2021, was outstanding in global negative-yielding sovereign and some corporate debt outstanding. We continue our preference for issuers at the high-quality end of the rating spectrum, both in taxable investment grade and high-yield bonds and in tax-exempt bonds, where we see some pockets of value on a taxable equivalent basis. We view fixed-income securities as continuing to be subject to Federal Reserve policy and price risk due to our current expectation of higher yields as 2022 progresses, and thus we prefer maturities and durations along the short to intermediate portion of the yield curve spectrum. 8. U.S. dollar outlook after declining negative 9.9% in 2017, appreciating positive 4.4% in 2018, marginally gaining positive 0.4% in 2019, and declining negative 3.4% in 2020, the DXY U.S. dollar index measured versus a basket of six major currencies, the euro, Japanese yen, Swedish krona, British pound, Canadian dollar, and Swiss franc had, as of its market close of 95.97, on December 31st, appreciated positive 6.7% in 2021. On Thursday, June 30th, the DXY U.S. dollar index had appreciated positive 9.1% year-to-date, closing at 104.70. Over the next few quarters, given our expectations of the Federal Reserve, one, continuing its policy interest rate increases, and two, commencing the process of reducing the size of its portfolio of U.S. Treasury and mortgage-backed securities, we believe the U.S. dollar may rise relative to major currencies including the euro and Japanese yen. 9. Alternative Investments and Real Assets. In Alternative Investments, we continue our multi-quarter focus that has for some time emphasized exposure to, one, commodities and real asset sectors of the economy, including industrial metals, agriculture, and materials, two, gold and or gold mining ETFs, shares, particularly those miners with reserves in stable geographic locations, capital discipline, and cash flow growth, three, high-quality master limited partnerships with strong business models and sustainable dividend capacity, four, select investments in private credit, and private real estate, five, and opportunistic strategies that are positioned to selectively derive meaningful value from dislocations created by geopolitical developments and or potentially injurious mutations of the coronavirus, as well as the economic and profits recuperation therefrom. To continue our investment strategy themes for 2022, And in preparing Portfolio Positioning Strategies, Portfolio Positioning Principles, and Portfolio Positioning Tactics for 2022, we again pay tribute to the oft-quoted observation of the 34th U.S. President and Five Star General. Dwight David Eisenhower, 1890-1969, to that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. With this wisdom in mind, our 2022 investment planning approach reflects and encompasses the following themes, one, growing but slowing GDP, as forecast by the FOMC, median projection, approximately positive 1.7% in 2022, and 2022 corporate profits, as estimated by FactSet, approximately positive 9.9%, with downside risk to both projections. 2. Implementing a restrictive monetary and fiscal policy backdrop 3. Fluctuating financial asset prices in conditions featuring shifting performance leadership and increased equity VIX, bond, move, and currency VXY volatility 4. Differentiating, with emphasis on greater discernment and selectivity in asset classes, manager sectors, and companies. 5. Challenging, in an environment of elevated valuations, the easy money has been made, with the recent significant sharp upward and downward swings in individual securities prices, not a usual characteristic of bull markets. This concludes our July market commentary by David M. Darst. David is Americana Partners' chief investment officer. We are available to answer questions you may have regarding the topics discussed. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. Thank you for listening. This is Melissa Giles, Director of Portfolio Management with Americana Partners. Stay invested.